Hi, everybody, and welcome to another CaliCube Tuesdays today with Heba Ashur. Welcome, Heba. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. We start with the song. A quick hello, and we're good to go. Welcome to the show, Heba Ashur. Absolutely wonderful to have you here. And today we're talking about how international image, video, and search works. I think we'll spread it out a little bit more than just international, but I'm not sure we'll have all the time we need. I've got boatloads of questions already. Um, really interested what you've got to say. Uh, before we start, a couple of things. Number one is your brand SERP. Uh, this is your brand SERP on Bing, of course, seeing as you are from Bing, you're the multimedia um, lead, team lead at Bing. Um, that looks pretty good. You've got a, a lovely knowledge panel. Um, what I do see with Bing is that knowledge panels are actually really, really good in general. Uh, and there tend to be more of them than there are on Google. So I was terribly pleased to find that. Um, and then I found you in Google Scholar and you were looking at um, collaborative forums and discussion posts, uh, what is it, 13 years ago? Yes. Mm -hmm. That was a previous life at Bing? <laughs> well, it wasn't a Bing. It was a Microsoft, but not a Bing. But yeah, that was a long time ago. Right. And that could have been an incredible chat about kind of how you evaluate user comments and spam and, uh, and you know, how honest they are and are they actually relevant and valuable. Uh, that must have been a massive problem back then. It was. Like, you know, imagine we were, we were working on that, like, more than 10 years ago. So we were nowhere near where we're at today with like with, with the amount of technology that we have for assessing, yeah. you know, text and understanding kind of um, um, how to say, semantics behind the text. So it, it was a very interesting problem. I had so much fun working on it and we, we, we did a, a, a few publications that were really good at the time. Right, you say fun, I, I just think frustrating to be honest. I mean, uh, <laughs> with all the spam, I would have just got really frustrated and annoyed. But I mean, we were trying to solve a, a real problem, right? Like yes. how how can you sift through all of this content and really find, you know, the valuable things? And it, there, there there were so many applications for something like that in education, uh, I mean, in, in general entertainment, to name a few. But there were so many applications and so many, you know, goodness out of out of the work that we were doing. So it, it was fun in that sense. Brilliant. That's a wonderful actually. I love that. Um, really quickly, I'm just going to do my little video at the beginning. Uh, join me every week on CaliCube Tuesdays. Here are some of the guests we've had, the smartest people in marketing talk with me. Uh, today's episode is produced in partnership with WordLift, who are an amazing AI tool. Um, it they does do, do sorry, they do the heavy lifting for you. And today's headline sponsor is Ahrefs who are absolutely awesome, and they have everything you need to rank higher and get more traffic. Now, back to our topic. That was a really nice cut because we weren't supposed to be talking about user-generated content. We are supposed to be talking about image and video. And one thing I really wanted to know, just to start off, is you talk about the fact that there's a big shift away from text towards image and video. Is it a shift away or is it in addition to? And to what extent is that happening? Yeah, well... It's, it's a very interesting question. Um, I have to say it's in addition to, because we're not seeing like a decline in overall search, so to speak. So search is like text search is here and it's here to stay. Uh, and people are using it like very, very heavily um, every day, you know, more than the previous day. But we're seeing that the patterns and the, the way that people are searching is becoming, and the ex expectation for what they want to see 
is becoming more and more visual in the sense that, you know, with, with, with people's lifestyles becoming busier and, um, and the way that they're consuming information changing, Mm-hmm. Um, there, there seems to be like a, um, a bigger interest in anything that is more kind of overall kind of, um, media, media related. So either kind of expressing things through imagery or expressing them in video rather than just heavy, heavy text that people have to spend a lot of time reading through. Right. Um, well, I mean, which is more natural for human beings with a, you said, uh, an image speaks a thousand words and, is it a question of, I mean, because human beings have always been like that, is it a question of bandwidth or is it a question of your technology is enabling it to happen and the more it happens, the more we expect it to happen? I think it's a combination of both because, I mean, as you mentioned, like people from the from the old age, like they, 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 they drew and they, they expressed themselves through drawing and through kind of media, like visual, um, you know, representations. Yeah. And, and, and before, because of, because of lim- like, technology limitations because of bandwidth limitations that was not possible but now since you know technology is moving in this direction it's becoming cheaper data is becoming cheaper all of that so i I think we're becoming more and more visual again uh, and that's the phenomenon that we're seeing so to speak right i mean from a consumer perspective data is pretty much free i mean i remember the days when you would count your your kilobytes (laughs) and then your megabytes and now it's gigabytes and it, it seems that it's limitless i mean that isn't the case Right. But, but I mean, and, and speed is also increasing quite a bit. Like before, you know, to watch a video, it was it, like, I'm speaking 10 years ago, it was painful and it would buffer yes. and it would, you know, <laughs> stop and you, don't, you didn't want to do that. So text was easier to consume. But now that's not the case. These limitations don't exist anymore. That's not the case. So people are, are getting more and more, you know, the media that they like and the way that they want to consume it. Um, and, and that's what they're expecting. And that's what we need to give them. Right. Yeah, I started off with Flash in 1998, where we were using a 14K modem, and we had to stream across a 14K modem. We were we were doing it, but I, I think kind of my head is still stuck somewhere around there, and I'm still amazed <laughs> when I click on a video and it actually just plays. Um, All right. And, and the other question is, you, you're talking about languages and uh, international. To what extent is it, it? Does it vary internationally, and what? extent does it vary in terms of language in terms of that image and video usage um so i have to say it doesn't vary that much like it only depends on the availability of i guess bandwidth and availability Mm. of of technology in that you know location and availability of you know smart devices so long as you know the the infrastructure is available we see quite similar patterns uh in in terms of search it differs like from, you know, one language to, to the other, maybe in, in like when, when folks are searching in, a, in, a, in, in one language, they, they search more videos because of, you yeah. know, maybe, um, I don't know, the, 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 the film in the movie industry is very developed. And so that's what people are like are interested in and what they want right. to consume versus in another uh, uh, place where that's not the case. So they search maybe more images and, and, and so on and so forth. But in general, we see quite similar patterns, so long as the infrastructure is there. Right, okay. And right, next question is about the indexing. You use the same index as everybody else at, at Bing in that you're using Fabrice Canel's massive index. <laughs> and he talks about annotations. To what extent are his annotations important to how you actually manage to extract that first chunk of results before you do the, the ranking and then the re-ranking? 
Great question again. So uh, we're all like like based off of like one big index, which is what yeah. Fabrice kind of provides for all of us. But um, the, the key thing is we don't stop there because right. we build upon what we have available in the web index. And then we have to also extract and work off of things that are specific to, to multimedia or like that, that, that we right. need to power like a multimedia rich experience. So um, we we get like the the the, the web page information and the annotations that are available at the page level, but then we we need to extract the images themselves, and we need to kind of start to do more yeah. intelligence and extract more intelligence from the images or from the videos related to kind of the, for example, the images. We need to run models to try to understand what is the content that is actually inside the image. Um, the description, the text description around the image, of course, is important, but. Like we're we're getting more developed than that in the sense that we need to understand what the image is about and what are different ways to represent the content of this image. First, like in in a single language, but then we need to also kind of represent that knowledge in hundred hundred plus languages so that we can match this this um, image to any kind of user who's searching for that uh, for that particular relevant content as such. Right, and is is that the rank mm? that you talk about, um, bring, bringing, bringing that idea to... The, the multimodal kind of semantic, like using multimodal yeah. and, and, and presenting that into a semantic space and using all of this information collectively to try to kind of match the query to, to the document, to the, to the image. Um, basically, these three kind of modalities match them to the same semantic space and then find um, the best content that's out there. So, Well, yeah. right, yeah, and, and that makes it multilingual by definition in the sense that you're not actually using language um so the the, the models that we we we, we pre-train we treat we pre-train kind of um uh, multilingual models by definition and that what makes right. the actual models inherently multilingual um but i mean you can you can i mean if like deep learning just like the vanilla deep learning does not necessarily have to be multilingual as such it can work off of like a single um language representation Although you represent everything in the in semantic space, but uh, unless you kind of add in the extra language information, then you can all, only kind of map one language to semantic space rather right. than multiple languages to the same semantic space. But the so, actual, go ahead. I know. I was going to say when you say semantic space, you mean basically this language agnostic. The language World. agnostic kind of, yeah, like uh, <laughs> two-dimensional like vector space that you you try to kind of map everything, like uh, like the either the query or the document or the image in our case, you try to map it to that language agnostic space that's only numbers. So you can think of it as like a two-dimensional space and you try to map different points to the same location that semantically mean the same thing. Um, but you, you get to that representation through processing the actual you know, text as such or the actual mm. kind of objects or representation of what's in the image. Um, but you need to go that extra mile in doing that multilingual representation so that you can actually um, do effective kind of international search, so to speak, so that any, like you, you write kind of Satya Nadella in any language representation and it would map the same set of, of documents as such if that's what you want. Right, uh, and and the vector space for a, a given semantic term is going to be very similar across all different languages, or it's different, and you need to do different mappings. If you if you already kind of train a, a multilingual model, then inherently it it becomes similar because you learn mm. you learn these relationships by like 
through through that kind of embedding by saying that by feeding the model kind of multiple like multiple language representations of the same kind of semantic or of the same concept. So you say, you know, Satya Nadella written in English and Satya Nadella written in uh, Russian and Satya Nadella written in uh, Japanese or Chinese. All of these effectively will map to the same vector space location. Uh, and so then you'll know that, you know, all of these map to the same kind of concept. Um, right. And, and, then, and then culture, doesn't that throw it a, a bit of a curveball? The, I mean, of course, there are challenges, right? I mean, right. It's, it seems nice <laughs> and simple. If it was too easy. If it yeah. was too easy, it seems nice and simple once you start to do it. But there are things that, you know, that can definitely throw you off. Like, for example, false friends in multiple languages. They look the same, but they mean completely different things, even though the textual representation is the same. But unless you add another culture uh, aspect to it, then you you wouldn't know that they mean actually different things. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I speak French and English, and uh, it, false friends, false amis in French is a terrible, terrible problem. I made a terrible mistake on stage once translating long tail uh, directly into French, and it, it's a very rude word. And uh, there was a big kind of tweet laugh at me afterwards. Um, oh, so I, okay. I can imagine, yeah. You know, I felt pretty silly, but obviously the the, the machine—I well, suppose the machine wouldn't feel silly, would it? But you would you would feel a bit foolish. Um, the can you can you tell me a, a little a little bit sorry about the um, where do language agnostic and language specific aspects help? Yeah, so um, we talked about language agnostic. Uh, things kind of so far, like uh, all of the all of the stuff that we've discussed so far, is how we try to kind of be be language agnostic as much as possible and trying to map different concepts to the same sort of uh, representation, which is an image or a video at, at at this point. But then the question that you asked, like very um, um, very intelligently, is where we we actually need to do language specific. We, we need to add language specific signals so that we understand the actual culture and we understand where. Um, where context matters um, and we need to kind of preserve the context so that we don't kind of throw users off and give them things that are actually meaningless to them. Yeah, um, and, and how do you get the machine to understand that? Because obviously you don't have your hands in the machine able to tell it, well, actually that's wrong now, we'll correct this one by one. You have to do it at this massive scale. I mean, how can you possibly do that? Yeah, so... Um, I mean, at, like you can intervene at any point by creating kind of specific signals that correct whatever um, you know behavior that the machine is trying to learn, right? So right. you you create how to say like exceptions that says you're trying to learn you know this particular pattern or you're trying to learn this particular behavior, but be aware these are some examples where this is doesn't doesn't make sense, um, and this is another signal that can represent that this does not make sense. So in that in that sense, we we kind of add the user context, the user location, for example, to the mix. You know where the where the region of the user is, and that can sometimes correct some of that uh, behavior. Where the machine learns, like the model, kind of when when it's being trained, it learns that if the if the actual query is originating from that location, that's actually an exception. It should not map into that vector space or that location in vector space. It should map to that location. Right. And and so you have a the equivalent of the quality raters who who look at this, correct the data, send it back, and then you feed it back in as corrective data, but with geo and language specific tags on it. Absolutely. So yes. Yeah, so um, 
we, we, we have to like utilize human intelligence in, in certain aspects mm. to correct some of the of the behaviors or like some of the of the data that we feed the machines. At the end of the day, you're trying to train it and, and unless you correct it, it will never kind of train the right way. So human intelligence is very important. So kind of human annotators are very important to that kind of ecosystem. Um, and and as you mentioned, like um, adding these specific contextual signals about where the query originated from, what was the original language that the the, the user kind of added in their preferences. Some of these um, um, signals really help kind of um, develop the right learning um, as such and, and right. distill the, the, the right kind of learning that we want the machine to, to, to eventually pick up and we want the model to actually represent. But you use the word annotators. And so we've got Fabrice Canal putting all this stuff into a big index and annotating it all. And then when you're training the machine, you're annotating again. So the machine has an image with annotations on it and masses and masses of annotations with all the little details and kind of possible interpretations. Right. Um, and of course, this is not, this is done like the human intelligence is done at a very small scale compared to all the, mm. the, the automated sort of annotations that are given. But it's very, very valuable that it, it's, it's like it's treated more as ground truth. There are stuff that is, that is created kind of automatically, but there are things that, that, that we need to kind of trust more so that we can learn really the right kind of behaviors and correct um, mm. the incorrect behaviors that we do, we do not want the model to kind of learn as such. And so kind of the, the human the human annotations have a heavier weighting for the machine. You tell the machine, this is a human annotation, therefore you should take it more seriously than the automatic one that your friend Bingbot did earlier on. Right, right. That's, that's, the, that's the gist of it, that, you know, the, the, the human corrected sort of um, annotations or the added kind of signals that, that uh, human intelligence provided is weighted more so that it actually corrects whatever kind of automated uh, patterns that the machine is trying to learn. Oh, how wonderful. Um, I had another question as well, because Minas Merchant, I, I talked to him a couple of years ago, uh, and I said to him, well, of course you don't analyze every image. And then he said, but we do. Um, yes. And it seems to me like that's such a massive, massive amount of analysis data and um, resources. I was thinking you would sample the images and, and figure it out from there, but you actually analyze them all still? Yeah, we, we can't do that, right? Because you, you need to understand and you need to describe every like media content that you have so that you can match it effectively and you can rank it effectively. Otherwise, you, you won't be able to do that. But then there must be a point at which you kind of say, well, all of this isn't worth analyzing. I mean, so, some of it is just useless junk, tiny, tiny images and icons and whatever. Yep. Yep, and and we do that very early on in our kind of funnel. Um, right. So 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 basically, like uh, since you talked to Fabrice, so we we have a, a what we call an index, which is the the actual repository of content that we essentially choose to include as as you know our how to say our like universe of all the documents mm -hmm. that we can eventually match to any user's intent that we think is valuable enough for us to have it and to analyze it and to and to right. then use it to power user search or user kind of. Um, you know, uh, like knowledge seeking, any kind of knowledge seeking where they come to Bing and they're looking for some media content. But for us to select what type of media and what type of content we need to include in this repository, we do a lot of intelligence to decide mm. 
these images are worthwhile, or these videos are worthwhile, they should be part of our index and we should do all of our, all of the processing and all of the intelligence on top of them. And those are not, not very worthy uh, of, of, of being part of our infrastructure or our index repository. So am I right in thinking you've got a, basically a big initial sort, then you've got a big repository from which you extract, and then you do a pre-ranking, and then you do a re-ranking? Yeah, that's like I, I guess that's the the end to end. I guess uh, it's similar to any search engine. There is like a a, a discovery stage where right. we try to discover all the content that's out there, and then there's a selection stage where we try mm. to kind of out of everything that we know of, what is the you know the the actual set that we want to select and include in our infrastructure, um, and then there is an uh, a processing stage where we like everything that we selected, we then want to analyze and 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 annotate right. and understand more and and do all kinds of processing on top of it so it becomes servable uh, in our infrastructure um and then so then we we create our repository we have our index ready and then we wait and we sit and wait for users to come and now the users come in and they 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 query us or they you know they want to find something and so they they enter whatever it is that they want to find either they, they, they use a text textual representation of a query or they use an image to search and they want to find similar images, um, for example. So based on mm. this information that they enter, then we do what's called matching, where we go in our repository, we try to look for like all the documents that potentially can be you know beneficial for this type of search that the users want. Uh, and then the final stage is ranking in the sense that we match like hundreds and thousands of documents um, then what do we want to show on top? And that's what we, you know, what we try to rank and re-rank at several layers so that we eventually like end up with the top 50 or 100 that is actually worth of user's time to actually look and see what, right. and, and find what they're actually looking for. So I oversimplified it terribly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, do you have a, co a concept of original source of image? i.e. you try to show where the image originates from as opposed to somebody else who's copied it and put it on their own site? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question as well. Um, we try to do that. It's not, very, it's not a very easy problem, though, because hmm. um, let me try to explain why it's not easy. Because basically what you want to do is you want to find the, the absolute very first time that an image appeared uh, anywhere on the web um, mm. That is that is like even a part similar to that image, in the sense that mm. images can be cropped and can be yeah. uh, changed slightly and can be you know uh, like taken from one context and 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 stitched to another context and so on. So it's it's non-trivial to actually you know take all of that no. out and then find like a, a piece of an image or a bit of an image that is similar to any other image that's out there on the web. Um, it's just, we don't have the technology that allows us to do something like that at that scale today. The processing for, for doing something like that is tremendous and we, we just don't have it right now. Um, so we, we can do like the simplistic version of it is that if they're exactly similar, then mm. we can do that because due to like, already there are kind of similarity, uh, uh, image similarity models that can, can identify, you know, exactly similar images. And then we can use the, the the discovery time when we actually first discovered this image try to approximate it and find something that is almost you know useful mm. but it's not it's definitely not the right you know the the end-to-end the -end solution or the you know the actual solution for a problem like that we're not no, there it, yet 
But yet you say, yeah, that means that's somewhere you are going. You're going to be able to identify that original image. Uh, not anytime soon. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> want, you know, people to think that this is a problem that can be solved, you know, in the next six months or the next year. Um, I, I don't think so. Just because, you know, the, the processing is not is not there. We're not going to be able to to kind of have the, the 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 machines that are powerful enough to do that type of processing in an amount of time that's reasonable. That's one thing. Second thing is, as I mentioned, we have a finite repository. So no matter we can yeah. like we can look in our own repository, but this is not no guarantee that there is no other image on the web that that, that we Very just did point. not do not have in our repository. So again, that's also not a guarantee that you know it's not there. It's just that we don't have it. Um, yeah. So so how how useful is that to users? That's also a, a question mark. Um, so we're not no, there I, yet. Let me, no, let me I, just I, put I, it I, in simple terms. I like the fact that you said we don't. If, if we don't have it in the repository, obviously we can't analyze it. And you were talking about repositories just earlier, and I'd already forgotten about that. And that was a you know it. It makes us realize how much we don't think about the details of this and how much, obviously, you're digging down into all these different kind of problematic or problems that you need to solve along the way. Um, and one of the other things, that, a couple of things is, number one, does, does figure and fig caption help um, using those semantic HTML5 uh, tags around images and videos? They definitely help. So the, the the textual representation of the image is the easiest way for us to understand what is you know in that image, right? So that mm. that is our you know first and easiest signal to consume. And if that's of of high quality, then it makes our lives a lot easier to try to match this content to a wider variety of of, of user intents. Uh, but when when that content is not available and when it, it's not very descriptive of of the content of the image and so on. This is when we have to go the extra mile and try to do all of this fancy processing and stuff to try to represent the images better and match them better and, and so on and so forth. So, I mean, kind of those alt tags and figures and fig captions are incredibly important just, just to be sure that you're not left behind in that first lot that's sent to the bin, as it were. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, I mean, this is the, the best and easiest way to, to get that image uh, matched and ranked, you know, Hmm. well before we even do anything else on the image yeah. itself just by so having this available you make you make it very easy for us to kind of use this image match it and rank it to anybody or any user that is looking for something similar right so to even get in the game you have to do those incredibly basic things that people often forget um and and think yeah it's not very important and in fact it is to get in the game yeah i mean it is important it's it's not it's not the end of the world if it's not there because we try to do our best to still match mm. the images and, and to still to try to understand what the image is about even if these tags don't exist um so it i mean i'm just trying to say like if if they mm. don't exist this image is not going to be buried or, or we're not just going to dismiss it just because this information doesn't exist but if it exists, it's definitely better and easier to use. But if it doesn't exist, it's not the end of the world still. Right. And what about the, the, the textual content around it within the paragraph? Uh, I mean, for example, if we've got a paragraph with a heading and then there's yeah. another heading, do you just stop looking after that after uh, the new heading thinking, well, that's a new topic, so it's only that chunk of paragraph that's going to apply? Um, it's not that clean. I mean, the, the, the processing is not that clean as you describe it because... Um, the the variety in the way that you know uh, web pages are written mm. is I mean it makes it very difficult for us to find you know a very clean cut 
to, to say right. that, you know, this is when the, the text that, that has that, that relates to the image or the video starts and ends, and this is what is meaningful to it, but anything else is not meaningful. Uh, we wish that was the case, but that's not the case. So then we we have to, you know, pro like do some logic and do some in intelligence and learning actually to to try to understand what is the 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 bounding box or like the surrounding text that is meaningful to the image and what is the text that is really not meaningful to the image or where do we go too far from the image that the text becomes right. meaningless as such. And, and but the text around it, you do an, an LP analysis of it to try to understand how it relates to the image. Absolutely, absolutely. It's very, it's very important as well. So I mean, we use all kinds of information on the page, like even the page text itself, the title of the page, not not the, the, just right. the text surrounding the image, but because I mean, think if you think of it, like the title of the of the page also relates to the image that is that is on it. So it it, it has something to do with the image, and we want to capture. Mm anything that is that that helps us describe the content of the image or helps us understand what this image is about and how it can match users intense effectively so Brilliant. the content of the page is important the url of the page is important um the text of course that surrounds the image is important the tags on, on the image themselves like itself is important uh, the other images on the page is important the size of the image is important is it like uh <laughs> Is it very big and prominent on the page? And that also applies to videos, like even more prominently the image. Is the video very prominent on the page or is like a small kind of side, um, you know, video, maybe that's part of an ad or like part of a pop-up or part of, you know, other other um, part of the page that is not really the core um, of the page. Right. And of course, the location on the page matters. Where is that particular media content? Again, is it like in the main part of the page or is it on one of the sides? Um, and so on. The number of images on the page. Is this a page that has a catalog, for example, of, mm. of, of lots and lots of images? Or is this a, uh, a very kind of focused, um, you know, page that has only content about a particular image? Um, so, I mean, I'm just trying to yeah. <laughs> like, talk about a few things, but there are so many of these signals that, that, that matter um, in search. Right, yeah, no, the, the, you, you went through the list. I'm sure the list is much, much, much longer, and it was already longer than I expected, um, which moves us on to videos. Now, I've been wondering about the automatic subtitling because sometimes it's good, sometimes it isn't so good. How much does me doing manual subtitles that I then put in the video help in the sense that you know that I've actually paid attention, I've made sure it does actually match what's being said because all those ums and ahs and repetitions and unclear words and accents that aren't necessarily understandable. Yeah, so video is a completely different beast um, <laughs> than image uh, because, I mean, uh, if you think of it, video has in itself, the video itself is multimodal by definition. Like right. the image only has like the, the picture, like the, the actual visual representation of a single frame and some text surrounding it, whatever that text, the tags, the, the title of the page, whatever the text that we talked about. But video, we, you have that. So you have like the text surrounding it, the video title, some information and metadata about the video. And then you have the visual representation, which is a, which is a multi-frame type thing. Right. And you also have the audio which is, you know, whatever sound, either like the music or, you know, whatever, like the aspects of the sound or the actual text that is part of the speech that is in the video itself. So it's a, it's a much bigger, um, um, I wouldn't say problem, but some, a much bigger challenge to try to understand the actual content of the video. So going back to your question about, you know, 
transcripts and whether transcripts, um, the quality of transcripts help. So for, for videos specifically, we have to uh, like abide exactly by what the publisher uh, allows us to have in the sense that, you know, for example, some publishers allow videos to be served or ac accessible in certain regions or certain locations, but not others. Right. And that's very important, for example, interna in international search, because we have to understand, we have to abide by whatever instructions the publisher has, has given us uh, to allow access to their content. Um, so that's one important thing, and and in the same in the same lines, uh, so do they give us access to the to the transcripts or not? Some do and some don't, uh, in the sense that you know some allow us to have like they have an an additional kind of transcript file that we're able to access and and then use that to match uh, and to and to and to rank basically the videos, and some don't, um, and in case that when they don't, then also we have to abide by the publishers. Um, um, you know, instructions whether we can actually access the content of the video or we can't because some some publishers give us access to the content. We can actually access the, the media file itself and do some processing on it and some don't. We actually can't do that. Mm. Um, so I, I, can't, I don't have a definite answer for you because it, it really, it, it's, it's a little more complicated for video um, based because we have to just abide by whatever the publisher gives us access to. If they right. do give us access to the transcripts, then for sure we use it and we and it becomes easier for us to match because then it becomes another source of text that, that represents the content of the video right away. So um, the, the transcript underneath the video, you would then take the video, look at the transcript and use the transcript to say, to, to get the, the machine would then be thinking, well, yes, this confirms what I thought I had understood about this video. Exactly. And, and then it also kind of tries to match it to a better representation of what it's about based right. on the text that is or like actually the transcripts that describe the actual you know whatever the people are saying or whatever they're discussing the terms that they're using and so on so it helps us to understand what this video and what parts of the video are actually about so we we, we can even kind of direct the users and some other search engines do that too you, you, they they highlight you know where mm. where should you start the video where we should you start looking into the video uh for 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 the best uh, the most representative information that you're looking for um, so, right. you know, transcripts yeah, no, allow that, that sort of thing. Yeah. Cause I mean, the automatic subtitles, sometimes I look at them and you just think, well, that doesn't really make sense. Uh, so I was kind of thinking it, the, the idea that it's been done manually would be a help to the machine in the sense that you would be able to, or it would be able to, um, rely better or re rely more on what it's getting there. Yeah, for sure. The higher the, the the quality of the content that we get, then the, the easier it is to rank the video and to represent, or actually the image too, and to represent the content and the easier it is to match it to a wider variety of uses and to, and to rank it and surface it more effectively. Right. I've got two more really quick, well, one's a quick question, the other one's probably quite long. The, 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 the first one is, uh, I read an article in your blog and it says aesthetically pleasing for the user you have a concept of aesthetically pleasing because I got my ex-wife to, who's a graphic designer, to redesign Kali Cube's entire kind of graphic universe. Yeah. And we, we, she, she gave us an idiot proof set of colors <laughs> that you could put together in any combination. It would always work. She just said, don't put more than three together. I think the, the rule was, and what has happened is that the images now come up in search much, much more than they ever did before. And I was thinking, oh, so the, the, the search engine has got a sense of aesthetic and taste. 
Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're not like the, the machine, the models are not that smart. <laughs> it's really, you know, we try to represent what, the, what, the, what do humans find appealing? What do humans right. find attractive? And, and we try to simplify that into a set of features at the end of the day that, you know, if, if they exist in a particular image, then we think this image, like people will, or like users will find it more attractive by nature. And we'll find it kind of overall more aesthetically pleasing compared to other images that do not have these particular features. Um, for I mean, the, the very simple ones that we can mention is, of course, size and quality. Um, so if mm. the size of the image is bigger and if the image is, is higher quality and there's a, a, a good kind of ratio between the two, then, you know, compared to images that are smaller and are that have less quality, then the, the bigger and higher quality images will be more attractive and more appealing. Um, Which is why you've now got Turing image super resolution and you're putting it super in Super res, edge. exactly. <laughs> then this brings us to super res, which we're very excited about because um, this helps a lot in, in, in creating these aesthetically appealing or more attractive images that users mm. would, 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 would benefit more from and would get more information out of. And, and, and this applies actually in a wide variety of, of applications. Like, you know, think, you know, these small text-heavy documents where, you know, you're looking for a particular form or you're looking for, you know, a particular type of receipt or whatever, and the image is, like, too small and you can't really figure out the details. But if we're able to super-res it in a, in, a, in a meaningful way, then you can really kind of try to, like, understand what is in like, actually the content of this image and it becomes more useful. Um, right, and, and that's being in integrated into Microsoft Edge so that, in fact, you're going to improve the quality of the image on the browser, in the browser. Yeah, in the browser and, and on Bing as well. Um, so just we, we try to make the image bigger and of higher quality using using this concept of super resolution. Brilliant. I, I think that's wonderful. C could I ask just one last question, which is WebQA, the WebQA benchmark. Um, and I read the WebQA benchmark is aimed at advancing this goal as a multi-hop, multimodal open domain. Um, and I've got no idea what that means. Could you just explain that to me and then we can end? Well, actually, I, I got no idea what that means either. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, actually, I'm not. I'm not sure what what that means. I have to go back and read. Uh, okay, it's, absolutely. It's perfect. a good thing I'll... that you actually asked me that, so I can I can figure it out myself <laughs> and figure out what I'm missing. I was hoping for this incredibly kind of geeky answer to end it all, where I'd be, um, but but in fact, I disappointed whole... you. I'm sorry. No, no, not at all. The whole conversation has been absolutely incredibly delightful and interesting and i've got all the answers to all the questions i had except thank the last you one so much. <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much heba thank we're gonna you. now oh and thank you everyone for watching we're gonna pass the baton uh, to next week we've got mike elmer speaking about find the business story you need to tell every day for the rest of your life uh, i've talked to him already he did this to me a couple of weeks ago and my story apparently is google and bing are children we need to learn how to teach them that's the story i'll be telling for the rest of my life um so you know you won't want to watch this every week because that's what i'll be saying every week so could you pass the baton to mike heba mike i mean i'm, I'm so interested in that topic already so I, i'm sure it's going to be a killer topic can't wait to kind of tune in and, and listen to what you have to say and develop my own story Brilliant, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. A, a quick goodbye to end the show. Thank you, Heber. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.